This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Skip all the ads by searching the Murder Diaries ad-free in Spotify or subscribing on Apple or Patreon. Links are in the show notes and our bio on Instagram. Welcome back to the Murder Diaries. I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. In the early morning hours of Saturday, September 15th, 2001, 20-year-old Amber Hoop's grandmother awoke to find her missing from her bedroom. The lights in her bedroom were still on and all of her belongings were still in their place. The computer that Amber had used earlier at the family's auto body shop next door was still on. Though there were no signs of foul play, it was apparent to Amber's family that she'd been abducted. 22 years later, and Amber is still missing. This is her story. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Amber Chanel Hoops was born December 27, 1980, to her parents, Heavenly and Mike. The couple had recently gotten divorced, but Heavenly remarried to a man named Brent Hoops, who adopted Amber as his own daughter shortly after their marriage. She was the first grandchild born on either side of the family, which of course resulted in her being totally loved on and a bit spoiled by all of her loved ones. Amber's family was a group of hard workers. Her grandparents built their auto shop business from the ground up. As Amber had, Amber's mother, Heavenly, grew up in Idaho Falls, Idaho, with her siblings and parents, Norris and Kathy. From a young age, Norris was passionate about cars and everything involved with them. Shortly after Heavenly was born, Norris and Kathy purchased their first home in Idaho Falls. The couple truly lived the American dream. The property they purchased was three quarters of an acre with a house and two-car garage. After years of hard work, the couple was finally able to open up their own auto body shop, Classic Auto Body. In 1993, Norris and Kathy lost their only son, David, in a tragic motorcycle accident. David had been planning on purchasing Classic Auto Body from his parents when they were ready to retire to keep it alive and in the family. Forced to now find a new plan, Norris and Kathy asked their daughter Heavenly and their son-in-law Brent about maybe Brent being groomed to eventually take the business over when they retired. The couple excitedly agreed, and Brent began learning about the family business. In 1994, when her mother retired, Heavenly took over her job as the shop secretary. Though this wasn't new to her, Heavenly had spent many days in her teens helping her parents answer phone calls or grabbing car parts. This transition was surely impressionable for Amber as she was just a teenager at the time. Amber attended Bonneville High School in Idaho Falls, Though she was often described as a bit shy and a little socially withdrawn, those that she was close with, she cared deeply for. Basically, for Amber, it was quality over quantity when it came to her friendships. She was especially close with her, quote, favorite cousin, Levi. At Bonneville High School, Amber was part of the choir known as the Bonnevers, as well as the school's key club, which was an internationally recognized service organization. 
When Amber graduated from Bonneville High School in 1999, her parents placed a senior ad in the back of her yearbook, which read, Amber, what a ride this has been. Believe in yourself and anything is possible. We all love you and are very proud of you. Mom, Dad, Brew, and Jade. The picture beside the note was of a young Amber grinning as she sat upon the carousel horse, gripping tightly to the pole. We actually included this senior ad on our blog, so if you want to see it, head over to the murderdiariespodcast.com to check it out. In a dedicated section on the Classic Autobody website titled Amber's Story, her family wrote the following passage about her after her disappearance. Amber was a silly heart who loved to sing and dance easily. She started singing in Sunshine Generation when she was four years old and continued throughout her school years. Amber was very proud of her accomplishments of making it to the Bonneville Bonnevers. Amber enjoyed many things, especially her shoe collection, fossil watches, sticker collection, scrapbooking, writing poems, and short stories. Another interest was photography. Amber entered her scenery picture in a contest and received the Editor's Choice Award from the International Library of Photography. Her picture was featured in a book and a calendar. She played piano by ear, and later, the last few years of her life, she was turning into an excellent cook and was contemplating enrolling into a culinary school. Amber was very shy and very much a creature of habit. It was difficult for Amber to make friends and really only had a few good friends throughout her school years. She spent most of her time with her family and her cousin. Amber's last year of life, she was pretty much inseparable from her sister, Jade, who was 14 years old at the time that Amber went missing. After Amber graduated from high school, she took a job as a nanny for a two-month-old boy and six-year-old girl. She quickly fell in love with these children and totally loved her job. She was always calling her mom to tell her the cute and funny things the children would do and loved to take pictures of them. It was such a wonderful experience to see the way she'd nurtured these children and see the love in her eyes she had for them. We were able to get a glimpse at what it would be to see her as a mother. Being with the children was giving her a great desire to find that special someone she could settle down with and become a mother. At just 20 years old, Amber had her entire life ahead of her and was still deciding what her path would be. Regardless of what she chose to do next, she had a family and a close group of friends that supported and loved her and were excited to watch her grow up. Amber lived in the home on East Lincoln Road with her grandparents, Norris and Kathy. On Friday, September 14, 2001, just a few days following the September 11th attacks, 20-year-old Amber spent the evening talking with her sister on the phone until about 10 p.m. She had been in the auto shop next door using the phone to talk to Jade and also using the shop computer, which she did often to communicate with friends. At 10.30 p.m., her grandparents went to sleep. Before they headed to bed, they made sure to say goodnight to Amber, who was in her bedroom. She was wearing her pajamas and her robe and appeared to be settled in for the night, just watching some TV. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Around 1 a.m., Kathy woke up and noticed that the lights were still on in Amber's bedroom. When she walked into the bedroom, she found that the television was also still on, but Amber wasn't in there. She looked around the house but couldn't find her granddaughter. Something far more unnerving that Kathy found was that the back door was unlocked. Concerned, Kathy woke up her husband and told him that Amber was missing. The two searched around the house again but still couldn't find her. They walked to the nearby auto body shop to see if Amber had made her way over there to use the computer again. Her grandparents said that she did often use this computer to communicate with her friends, like we mentioned earlier. Kathy and Norris found that the shop's computer was on, but still no Amber. This was incredibly unlike her. 
She was very reliable, and there was no reason to think that she would have left intentionally or was running away. With that, Kathy and Norris called the Bonneville County Sheriff's Department to report her missing. Deputies arrived at their home to find that Amber still hadn't been located. They discovered that all of Amber's belongings, including a recent paycheck, were still in her bedroom. It was also noticed that one of the auto body's trucks was missing from the lot. The small single cab red and white pickup truck had vanished just as Amber had. As soon as they realized that the truck was missing, Norris and Kathy called the bag phone that was kept in the truck. A bag phone, for those that don't know or remember, is basically this really old school cell phone that because it used an external battery, it used to be kept in a bag, often kept in a trunk of a car, much like Amber's grandparents did in this case. Anyways, they called the phone, but no one answered. As the early morning hours of September 15th brought light onto the scene, unfortunately, no light was shed on where Amber might be. Just a few hours later, the shop's missing pickup truck was located in a parking lot, not far from the shop. It was found at the corner of Lincoln Road and Ammon Road. Excuse me if I'm mispronouncing that. I am not from Idaho Falls. The truck had 60 extra miles on it, according to those who worked at the shop and worked closely with the trucks. The keys were inside the ignition, but again, no sign of Amber. It seemed like Amber had truly disappeared into thin air. The Sheriff's Department began their investigation into Amber, her life, and her disappearance. Their interviews and questioning led them to the same conclusions that they'd gathered from Amber's grandparents. Amber was not the kind of person who would just up and leave. After all, she wasn't super social where she would just go gallivanting off with other people or maybe strangers she hadn't met. And everything about the situation just screamed foul play to those who knew her well. And ultimately, the sheriff's department reportedly came to the same conclusion. Amber did not disappear willingly. Some reports say that deputies discovered evidence that pushed them towards a conclusion of foul play. But that's never been officially released. Evidence or not, everyone who knew Amber was sure that she'd met with something terrible that night. Reports said that members of Amber's family were immediately suspicious of somebody that they knew. A former employee of the auto body shop named Keith. He was said to have had a vendetta against Norris. Keith, who was also referred to as Mark, had left Classic Auto Body on bad terms, although the details of that haven't been made public. Because reports refer to him as Mark and Keith, for the rest of this podcast episode, we're going to call him Keith. According to the Charlie Project, Norris and Kathy said that Keith had threatened Norris right before Amber's disappearance. On top of this, Keith was no stranger to law enforcement. He'd been apprehended twice for poaching in the same area of central Idaho. Keith was arrested for having been caught illegally killing at least eight animals. He was fined and stripped of his hunting privileges in January of 1997. Idaho News reported for several months after the abduction, detectives gathered evidence tied to Keith, his family, work, house, and anywhere he might have been in an attempt to locate Amber. Police said a great deal of information connected Keith to Amber's disappearance as well as patterns and historical events potentially linking him to other similar cases in the region. Unfortunately, no evidence has been publicly released connecting Keith to Amber's disappearance. Time continued to pass, and though investigators continued to follow leads, it didn't seem as though they were getting any closer to finding Amber. 
Heavenly told NBC News Channel 6 that the time seemed to pass so slowly without her daughter around. She also told that same news channel that she fully believes that Keith is behind Amber's disappearance. Heavenly said, I think she came out to shut the computer off and she ran into Keith out there. And then I think it just escalated from there. He just took her. And then I think he took her up to high C and killed her. While it definitely seemed like detectives in Amber's family had a strong theory regarding her disappearance, they couldn't concretely tie him to it. He reportedly had an alibi from his family, but this didn't dissuade Amber's family. In fact, it was also found that he had caught the suspicion of police when another young girl had disappeared years before. On October 11th, 1993, almost eight years before Amber's disappearance, nine-year-old Stephanie Crane went to the town's bowling alley for the elementary bowling league night in Chalice, Idaho. For reference, Chalice is about 150 miles northwest from Idaho Falls. Stephanie and her friends bowled a few games that night and ordered some food. One of the moms who had also been at the bowling alley recalled seeing Stephanie walk away from the bowling alley around 4.45 p.m. One of Stephanie's friends had offered her a ride home before she began her trek home, but she declined, saying that she'd left her backpack on the soccer field at the high school. Stephanie was last seen waiting to cross Highway 93, which was on the way back to the high school. When Stephanie hadn't returned home by her 5 p.m. curfew, her family became concerned. They searched the area but couldn't find her. Her mother called the local sheriff's department to report her missing at 8.15 p.m. A search ensued, and it continued on for days, with no sign of Stephanie. One of the first big tips called into investigators was regarding a strange yellow truck that had been parked outside the high school. No one recognized the vehicle. Investigators immediately went to the high school, but the yellow truck was gone, and no one had taken down its license plate number. A few days after Stephanie's disappearance, detectives interviewed the other children who had been bowling with Stephanie just before she had left the bowling alley. They were told by several of them that Stephanie might have gone to the high school that night, possibly to watch a soccer practice. This piqued investigators' interest even more in regards to the mystery of the yellow truck. Though the tips continued to come in and investigators continued to look into each of them, Stephanie's case quickly went cold. There were many suspicious people who were brought in for questioning, but nothing was concrete. In 1997, Keith's name crossed investigators' radar in relation to Stephanie's case after he was placed in custody for unlawful possession of wildlife. They determined that he'd been in Chalice at the time of Stephanie's disappearance and drove a yellow truck similar to the mysterious one that had been seen at the high school. Investigators were unable to locate that truck and couldn't find anything definitively connecting Keith to Stephanie after searching his home. While there were other suspects in Stephanie's disappearance, once Amber went missing, suspicion of Keith only grew. Once Amber had disappeared, that made two cases that Keith's name had been brought to the forefront of. He was never officially named a person of interest in either, but nobody could deny that in the very least, it was super strange. Less than one year after Amber vanished, on June 2nd, 2002, a 14-year-old girl was reported missing from her home in Bonneville County, not far, again, from where Amber lived with her grandparents. The young girl had been sleeping outside on a trampoline with her siblings, but was gone when they woke up. Coincidentally, this is the same morning that 14-year-old Elizabeth Smart was reported missing in Salt Lake City, Utah, about four hours away. Investigators had to consider the possibility that the two may have been connected, but ultimately determined they weren't. 
You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. (coughs) Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash murder diaries, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash murder diaries, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash murder diaries. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Less than 12 hours after the young girl went missing in Idaho, her parents received a phone call from her. 15 minutes later, she was brought home to her parents, still wearing her purple pajamas. The young girl had been awoken by a man while sleeping on the trampoline. He forced her away, threatening to hurt her sister if she didn't come with him. He brought her to his house where he restrained her, then eventually had to leave for work. Once he was gone, the girl was able to free herself from the restraints and escape. Due to her age and her right to privacy as a survivor, her identity and the full details of the abduction have not been released. Detectives did say, however, that she was able to tell them where her abductor lived. When law enforcement reached the home, they found that the man who lived there was still at work. However, they also discovered that he was the same man who had been questioned in Amber and Stephanie's disappearances. Yep, it was Keith. Now they had undeniable proof linking Keith to an abduction. Thankfully, this girl was able to escape and direct law enforcement to her captor. Sheriff deputies, along with a SWAT team, waited for 42-year-old Keith to return to his home. When he did, he immediately fled in his work vehicle. Multiple deputies pursued Keith, who was driving as fast as 75 miles per hour through the towns of Heisey, Kelly Canyon, and into Madison County. He then turned down onto Forest Service Road 218, which was described by the Desert News as a narrow, bumpy, winding, tree-lined dirt road covered with large rocks. The entire chase spanned about 35 miles. The service road led to a dead end, oddly enough, to an area called Argument Ridge. Keith continued to drive away, but his truck became high-centered in an area where the road was closed, which left him completely stuck. Keith began firing his gun at law enforcement, striking and killing a police dog and hitting a sergeant in the leg. Law enforcement returned fire, reportedly hitting Keith, but not killing him. 
Before he could be apprehended, Keith died by self-inflicted gunshot. When Keith died, it seemed like Amber's case died with him. There are mountains of unverified rumors on online message boards that say that Keith admitted to being involved in Amber's disappearance just before taking his own life. However, these remain just rumors. In 2007, a psychic called in to a tip line at Bonneville County Sheriff's Department, alerting them that she believed Amber's body had been buried in a lime pit at a former sugar factory, which was just down the road from her grandparents' house. The police sergeant at the time, Doug, told the local newspaper that they were following up on any and all tips. The sheriff added that simply because the tip came in from a psychic didn't mean that they should lean one way or another in terms of looking into it. Not long after the tip came in, law enforcement searched a small area in the lime pit, digging for about an hour in the four-by-six-foot area, but they found nothing. In October of 2018, a user posted on a thread about Amber's case on web sleuths. The user calling themselves IdahoFriend89 wrote the following, identifying herself as one of Amber's family members. We recently hit 17 years since Amber was taken. This is my cousin. I remember the day I learned what happened. Only a few days after 9-11, I was only 11 at the time. I was playing in our backyard and my brother came outside to tell me that Amber had gotten kidnapped. I thought he was lying. One day she was there, the next not. She was a very shy person and my older sister's best friend. She had such a beautiful soul. She would go out and check her email frequently on the shop computer. It's believed she heard a noise and went to investigate and then was taken. She was just gorgeous and should have been able to have a life, get married, and have kids. Someone took that from her. Here's some info or tips that were given to us over the years. A psychic once said she was buried in the live fields in Ammon, Idaho Falls area. If that's the case, there wouldn't be anything left of her as it's very corrosive. Keith is who I grew up knowing the main suspect as. He has many names and aliases we found. He was a family friend for many years, but was slowly pushed away for his bad habits and activities. He was a poacher, looked at child, and then part of that sentence is redacted, but we believe she's referring to child sexual abuse material, stuff, and so forth. Not the kind of person my parents want to be associated with. I have to say, I feel lucky to not have been the young woman that Keith kidnapped that got him caught of his activities. I don't want that to sound selfish, but just hindsight of what could have happened. I was friends with his niece who lived with him, and we'd been molested by Keith. I was too young to think anything of it at the time, but I kick myself for not saying anything to anyone when I think about him videoing me and his niece in the shower or inappropriate touching. I'm just grateful for everyone that is safe, but sad about all who are lost. The notion of him mentioning to the young girl who got away that he'd done it before, something we'd learned, can't recall where, but he would go to other states here and there throughout the years, and a girl would disappear while he was there, and then he'd come home. Who knows who all were his victims? Another tip or possibility that was brought up was that she had pen pals from overseas. Police wondered if they could have abducted her. Another anonymous poster claims to be a relative of the 14-year-old girl that escaped from Keith. They wrote that they saw where Keith was holding the young girl and that there were a lot of suspicious areas on his property. Quote, I was in the house after his last victim was abducted. She was a relative and I saw where he kept her chained up. And I also saw the crawl space under the stove in the kitchen. He could have easily kept his other victims down there. 
I saw the foundation bends where it looked to me like somebody was trying to use their fingers to open it up, pulling forward. I also noticed fresh plowed farmland behind the house, an entire field where he could have buried the remains of his victims. He lived there with his mother and his sister, and when they would go back east or wherever to visit relatives for a time, it was then he would go out and abduct his targets. He was in Chalice when Stephanie disappeared and would have brought her to his home as he did with who knows how many others. I would have some cadaver dogs out in that field looking around. Of course, this information is unverified. However, it does fall in line with what Amber's family's suspicions are of Keith. Again, there are no public documented accusations or proof of sexual misconduct from Keith. However, there are unverified rumors that the 14-year-old who escaped from Keith's house was sexually assaulted by him. In early 2010, a set of human remains were discovered in the Ammon foothills, just to the east of Idaho Falls. A driver had gotten his truck stuck in the mud, which caused him to walk uphill and into the trees in order to get better cell phone reception. It was here that he discovered a set of remains that were in a late stage of decomposition. From the initial exam, the crime lab was able to determine that the remains very likely belonged to a female. However, correct identification would take months. Investigators believed that it was very likely that these remains could belong to Amber. However, there was another young woman that had also gone missing from the same area three years earlier. Stephanie. This is a different Stephanie than the one I was talking about earlier. There was also the consideration that these remains could belong to missing mother Susan Powell, whose case we covered back in May of 2023. Ultimately, the answer to who these remains belonged to did come. A few weeks following the discovery of the remains, the Idaho State Crime Lab matched the dental records to Stephanie. The hope that the Hoops family held for the possibility of closure and being able to lay Amber to rest was shattered. On the classic Autobody website under Amber's story, the family detailed how they knew in their gut shortly after Amber disappeared that she probably wouldn't be coming back to them. They wrote, As family, we knew she was gone and we had a memorial service to pay tribute to Amber's life one year to the date of her abduction. We have continued to search for Amber and follow down leads as they came in. There came a point when, as a family, we just could not spend all our waking moments focused on searching for her. We feel at peace in the fact that she is in our Heavenly Father's care and we needed to move on with our life and try to find joy and happiness again. We realize we will never have any answers from our suspect because nine months after Amber went missing, he was at it again and abducted another girl with the intention of killing her after he was done with her. But as life would have it, the young girl escaped while he was at work and alerted police. It has been a devastating ordeal to go through for our family, but we choose to live and find joy in life. We are not going to let this beat us. We miss Amber terribly and will never have closure till we meet again with her in heaven. Amber is always in our thoughts and hearts, and we feel her near, and that gives us great comfort and peace to help make it through until we meet again. On Thursday, September 14th, 2020, Idaho Governor Brad Little declared the day as Idaho Missing Persons Day in hopes of continued awareness and support to find those missing in the state. The Bonneville County Sheriff's Department considers the date of September 14th to appropriately represent those they still search for as it's the day that Amber was last seen. The Hoops family agrees. Heavenly told the NBC News Channel 6 that while she and everyone else who knew Amber won't forget her, she hopes that her memory will live on with everyone who's heard her story. 
quote, she was just special to us. And I don't want anyone to forget and we'll never forget. Of course, we have our memories and we'll take that with us. No one can take that away. Amber would have turned 43 years old this past September. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Amber Hoops, please contact the Bonneville Sheriff's Office at 208-529-1200. That's it for this week, but be sure to follow us at the Murder Diaries pod on all socials. And until next week, stay safe. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.